This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Mm-mm-mm. My goodness, a tough, tough Sunday in the Steel City. What is it about that place? Buccaneers don't ever seem to win in Pittsburgh. Don't play there that often. But 20-18, to 18, the Steelers knock off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and knock the record back down to 3-2. and two. We come in to recap and talk about it more with highlights, with interviews, with analysis. It is nothing but Bucks. Thank you for finding me on a tough Monday, not a victory Monday. A tough Monday after that defeat. But my message at the outset, Buccaneer fans, and I'm here to give you my takes, to give you my opinion. I know a lot of you are, uh, are down and out a little bit here. I'm here to encourage you. There are 11 games left in this season, and I'm going to consistently say even if the Buccaneers had found a way to win that game, and they did not play well for a lot of that game, I would come in here at 4-2 and two and say there's still 11 games left in the season. It is, it is what you are doing uh, at the end of October here. It's what you're doing in mid-November that is setting up the end of the year. The sample size is now getting bigger. This at the moment is looking like a 500 football team. It is a 500-football team right now, but that can change. You tighten some things up. You get better in the red zone. You get better on third down with the talent level of this team. You put together two, three wins in a row to get some confidence, which is what you thought you were going to get starting with Pittsburgh here. You've got an opportunity to get to better than 500. Of course, there is no more 500 right now with a 17-game schedule. It would be like 9-8. and eight. You don't want to be 8-9, and nine, but you've got an opportunity to get to a 10th win, an 11th win. That is still very realistic to start putting things together. I know that's tough to see off a performance like Sunday, but you can just as easily turn things around over the course of next week in Charlotte and then a quick turnaround home game with the Ravens on Thursday night football and be sitting here at 5-3 and three and saying 10-11 wins, very realistic. 11 games to go is a long way to go. You've got the greatest of all time at the controls. We're going to talk a lot about what he did or didn't do Sunday, what the offense did or didn't do around him, what the defense, which, my Lord, how many more times are we going to have to see and tolerate? I know Todd Bowles is sick of it. I know his players are sick of it. How many more times are you going to have to tolerate third and nine, third and 10, third and 12, and you're not able to stop the opposing team? That has got to change. As, uh, as you'll hear the head coach say in his own words, they've got to coach it better, and the players have got to play it better. And, uh, and the coach went so far as to say to the media, we got guys, I'm paraphrasing here, that are still living off the Super Bowl. you got to put in the work. You, you're, you're enough of being patted on the back and told how great you are from two years ago. you got to put the work in and get better. And I'm optimistic, and I believe that they can get better and will get better. But for now, we're going to relive what happened at AccraSure Stadium, what was Heinz Field for more than 20 years in Pittsburgh, in downtown Pittsburgh, as the Steelers defeated the Bucks, you'll hear highlights from Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore on Buccaneers Radio. You'll hear our post-game conversations from the Hooters post-game show. There was not much in that locker room, but you'll hear it a little bit from uh, Nacho. Raheem Nunez Roches, one of the defensive tackles that was out there making plays. Kate Otten, the young tight end. We talked to him. You'll hear from Todd Bowles. You'll hear from Tom Brady talking with the media. Uh, Tom was short and sweet and, uh, and very profound with we got to score more points. Hey, that's what it comes down to. You do have to score more points. It's been a high-scoring, one of the top offenses in the NFL with him at the controls the last couple of years. It is not one of the high-powered offenses right now in the NFL. It's got to be better. And then later on in the podcast, uh, this is what we bring you on Nothing But Bucks, some insight. I love this man, his family. I love the insight of Martin Gramatica, Super Bowl-winning quarter uh, kicker, uh, obviously Pro Bowl-level kicker. Uh, made many a humongous kick in the late 90s and the early 2000s for this team, went on to play several more years after Tampa Bay in, uh, in places like New Orleans and Dallas and others. Martin and his brother Bill both kicked in the National Football League, Bill with the Arizona Cardinals. Santiago Gramatica, the third brother, the youngest brother, also a big-time kicker at the University of South Florida and won some games with big-time kicks. Love those guys. Martin will be here to not only give me insight into the tough loss here, but to tell you what it's like for the mindset of a kicker. Ryan Suckup has been outstanding this year, and this game was very possibly going to come down to him kicking a fifth field goal to win it when the game was 13-12. to It was looking that way down the stretch. Not unlike the New Orleans game that was 3-3. to Is this going to come down to Suckup winning the game with a field goal late in the game at 6-3? to But the Bucs got a touchdown, and then they got a defensive score, 
and uh, and and widen the lead out. Anyway, I'll talk to Martin about that mentality and about what this team has to do better. He's doing a great job on the Spanish calls of Buccaneer broadcast on Caliente 96.1 FM in the Tampa Bay area. Carlos Bojorquez is the play-by-play man. Love my man, Carlos. C, 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 C. The, the six C's are for the six points of a touchdown. Love him. He and Martin call the games every week. They were on the call of the Steelers game in Espanol. We'll hear from Martin in a little bit about what it's going to take to turn it around. Love that insight and that conversation. Again, thank you, however you found us. Thank you, I think. On this, especially thank you on a recap podcast after a loss. If you're taking time to listen to me and listen to this after a loss, thank you. Continue to find us through the Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com. Uh, find us wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Search nothing but Bucks. You can subscribe. It'll come automatically to you. We're usually here by the midday, the day after games. By the time that, like in this case, get back from the road, get the podcast put together, all the interviews, all the highlights, and get it out and about. That's not a five-minute process. It takes a little bit. So we're usually here midday, the day after games. That's typically Monday, obviously, after a Sunday game. But obviously, coming up, you're going to have the, the matchup on Thursday night with the Baltimore Ravens. So nothing but Bucks will be here on the Friday after that game. Same thing later in the year with the Monday night game uh, with the Saints in the rematch. Podcast will be here in the recap mode after that game on Tuesday. So thank you for finding us. We hope you continue to do so. And we hope there are much, much more positive podcasts off of wins. But for now, we have what we have in front of us, and let's get to it. Let's talk about what went on in the Steel City. Again, the Buccaneers had one lone win in their history, 2014. I was there for that lone win as Mike Glennon threw the game-winning touchdown pass to the late Vincent Jackson in a last-second win to beat Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. And you think you think Mike Tomlin's Super Bowl-winning coach, former Buccaneer assistant on a Super Bowl-winning team that Martin Gramatica played on, and Brad Johnson and Mike Allstott and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and John Lynch, et cetera, John Gruden is the coach. Mike Tomlin was an assistant on that team. You don't think they remembered? Mike Tomlin in particular remembered losing to the Steelers. Most of the, most of the players were different. I mean, Mike Evans was on the team in 2014. Levante David, Will Golston, there's not much else. Certainly nobody on the Buccaneer coaching staff, but Mike Tomlin was around. Some of his staff was around in 2014. They've had great continuity in Pittsburgh, great tradition, winning all the time. He's never had a losing season. So that was the backdrop here. The Steelers had lost four in a row, had been destroyed by the Buffalo Bills the previous week. And there were there were people saying in our market and elsewhere, this could be dangerous for the Bucs to come in there. Pittsburgh's going to be a wounded, desperate team. Yes, banged up secondary. But still, with Kenny Pickett, the rookie, and the weapons they have, they could they could cause problems, and they did cause problems. Not unexpectedly, they did cause problems, and they did play like a wounded, dangerous team that had lost four straight games and did not want to drop to one and five with five straight losses. So let's get into the highlights and what happened here. The Buccaneers lost the opening toss. Pittsburgh deferred, so the Bucs go on the offense first. Got a first down, but... This, this is a recurring thing that we're going to continue to talk about. One of the things that's got to get better come out of the gate with the script, with the plays, Byron Leftwich on the play calls. Obviously, Tom Brady's got a lot of input, and why not on what's going on? It's got to be better. To, to repeatedly come out six straight games and not move the ball on offense and go get a touchdown, not once, that's not the Buccaneer football we've seen the last couple of years. You can... Try to parse it as the reasons why, but it's just got to be better overall. So they they punt the ball away, and then the Steelers go on the move. And this is another recurring theme. And this goes back in the lap of Todd Bowles and the defense and the play calls. And the guys like Shaq Barrett and Levante David and Devin White and in the secondary Carlton Davis, you got to lock the other team down. you got to be ready for what they're going to do because the Steelers end up going 11 plays, 66 yards. They get the benefit of a Devin White play where he shoves Kenny Pickett after a throw where it's clearly going to be fourth down and they're going to be potentially punting the ball, a fringe of field goal range. Uh, Certainly it's going to be a long field goal if they try it, if not a punt. But he gets a personal foul for shoving the quarterback. And look, folks, right now the NFL is hypersensitive uh, for concussions, especially with quarterbacks. They're going to call anything and everything roughing the passer. Uh, I will say this. He shoved him down after a throw and got a 15-yard penalty, and you've got to be smarter. For Devin White, you cannot make that play in this current environment. Just do do not touch him. After he throws the ball, if you didn't get close enough to hit him, don't go shove him down. Just That's not smart football. Uh, Let me repeat. That's not smart football in the current environment. Now, I will say that later on in the day, we're watching the Kansas City-Buffalo game. Obviously, very intense, high level for the top of the AFC standings. 
uh, you know, the Chiefs obviously have beaten the Buccaneers. The Bills aspire to be in the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. Different officiating crew, yes. But uh, Chris Jones breaks through the big defensive lineman that we saw here. And remember, he got a roughing the passer call last week, sacking Derek Carr in the game for Kansas City, stripping him of the ball and falling on the ball. The officials completely blew it. Completely blew that. Is not, it should not have been roughing the passer. He's trying to recover a fumble falling on Derek Carr. They blew the call. Well, yesterday, Chris Jones runs right up to Josh Allen on a follow-through. After Josh Allen throws, he takes a step, and then he shoves Josh Allen down, who flies backwards and lands on his, on his butt and his back. No flag in that game. So different officials see it different ways. I'm just pointing out the differences there. you got to be smarter if you're Devin White. It's not a smart play. It leaves the drive alive, and it leads to the beginning of our highlights here. And it begins with Pittsburgh in a crucial situation goal to go here. And Kenny Pickett, the rookie out of Pitt, playing in his home area here in the same stadium for the Steelers, gets his first NFL touchdown pass. Shotgun look, dropping back three steps under pressure, gets the pass away. Easy pickings, touchdown, Najee Harris. Nobody in the secondary picked him up, and a great play call. It's officially 66 yards, 11 plays, and Najee Harris's touchdown catch makes the game 7-0. I will say again on nothing but bucks, you've got to do a better job off the jump, out of the locker room, on stopping the other team from driving the ball. I know in the Kansas City game, it was a fumble and a short field right away and two plays before you're even settled into your seat. The Chiefs were in the end zone. But that doesn't change the fact, uh, and I know in the Falcon game last week, they were better in the first quarter at stopping the Falcons, even though they had a little drive working at the beginning. They stopped them and forced a punt. But you go back to the Green Bay game, it's a touchdown right away at the beginning of the game. You go back to the uh, Saints game, it's a field goal drive at the beginning of the game right away. They didn't get a touchdown. You've got to lock the other team down, uh, especially early on in the game on the first drive. Uh, where you, you're going against their script, etc. All right, so the Buccaneers get the ball back. They move the ball into scoring range, but again, it's kind of a theme. Couldn't get close enough in the in the fringe, in the red zone, and end up getting a Ryan suck-up field goal to make the game 7-3. Then a critical sequence, at least early in the game, took place where the Bucks drive inside the five-yard line, got a handoff to Leonard Fournette and tried to score. Now they're down on the six-inch line, on the six-inch line trying to make a play. And you thought about maybe quarterback sneak, but the Steelers were ready for it. And I'm going to name the name here because you saw on the sideline Tom Brady animated if you were watching on Fox. Robert Hainsey, the young center, completely whiffs on a block of the nose guard. That kind of play cannot happen. Again, we talk about things that cannot happen. you got to block the nose guard in the middle of the formation, whatever the case is. He completely missed him. I don't know if he was trying to cut blocking down low, trying to go at his midsection. So uh, that defensive lineman comes right through the middle of the defense and buries Leonard Fournette three yards behind the line of scrimmage. So now instead of being in the six-inch line, you're back at the three-yard line. Everybody's got to do their job. <clears throat> Hainsey made other plays in the game, making his block or making the line calls or other offensive linemen that didn't make blocks, made some plays, didn't make others. But that was a critical one at that point. You didn't get a false start penalty that backs you up. You didn't get a sack of Tom Brady. The whole thing was really... Uh, in the short term, it came unglued. It came unglued. And so you end up kicking a 27-yard field goal instead of being up 10-7. to It's only 7-6. to And the game kind of ham and eggs from that point. Uh, kind of ebbs and flows. Now, the Buccaneers, uh, Buccaneers did have a defensive play here, getting after Kenny Pickett, the rookie, uh, with pressure in this sequence. Dropping the throw. Here comes pressure. He's wrapped up and sacked at the three-yard line. Yeah, One missed, and the other one got him. Antoine Winfield Jr., all right, they're bringing it all out blitz again like we saw the touchdown, but this time Pickett's able to escape the first guy, which I think was Devin White, but then Winfield came from the far side full speed and was able to take him down. One of the top sack teams in the NFL, and Antoine Winfield ends up getting it. Shaq Barrett broke through immediately uh, to disrupt the play. Winfield finished it off, so uh, that sack... Uh, part of a day in which the Buccaneers were able to get pressure on the quarterback and get sacks and be able to make some plays. Again, it's a field goal battle at this point of the game, including Pittsburgh late in the first half here, still leading 7-6 to six after the two suck-up field goals. They get the benefit of a friendly home bounce. The spot will be on the near side hash of the 45-yard line. Wind coming from that direction. What little we have there. Here's the spot, the snap. The kick is airborne. Airborne long enough, long enough. And it, it, it hits on the crossbar and bounces through. 
55-yard field goal hits the crossbar and bounces through. And it is 10-6 with 4.06 left in the first half. Chris Boswell's 55-yard field goal hit the crossbar and then floated over. Did not bounce out. It bounced in. So the field goal makes the game 10-6. Then late in the first half, the Buccaneers get a stop. Interesting that Pittsburgh could have run the ball three times and basically run the first half clock out. Instead, they tried to throw on first down and stop the clock. The Bucs only had two timeouts left. So they could have basically killed all but about 10 seconds before their punt, 10 or 15 seconds before their punt. Instead, they leave the Bucs with about 30, 35 seconds because the Buccaneers get the two stops, get the timeouts, get the punt. Now they get a completion down the field uh, to Chris Godwin and get themselves in position right before halftime on the last play of the half here. Trying to match his career best. Steeler crowd making noise. Kamar to the spot. Good snap, good spot. The kick is airborne. It's long enough, long enough. It is good. A 54-yard field goal by Ryan Suckup. That is a season-long 54-yarder from Ryan Suckup. And enormous in a close, low-scoring game to get points at the end of the half when you knew the Steelers were going to get the ball to start the second half as Suckup makes that kick. And I want to talk more to Martin Gramatica here on Nothing But Bucks in a little bit about your mentality, the long field goals, etc. I love his insight, and Suckup has been money as a kicker for this team and even showed some range there. All right, so this is another play I want to talk to Martin about in the analysis uh, this is the opening kickoff of the second half. In a 10-9 game, the Steelers got an explosive special teams play. As we go through the highlights, here's Gene Collin. The kickoff by Marlish at the goal line, brought out to the 20-yard, brought out of daylight to the 30-yard line, following blockers to the 40, to the 50. It's a foot race to the 35-30. It is Sims all tackled at the 13-yard line. Great effort by Buccaneers special teams guys to chase him down. It looked like he was going to go all the way. Steven Sims is the little returner that got right through the middle of the Buccaneers special teams, got past uh, the line there of of Jake Camarda and a couple of other tacklers. And what a hustle play, though, by Jamel Dean to run him down. We will talk more about that as the podcast unfolds. Those are the kind of plays that if you want to win football games, you make those because his tackle stopped a touchdown and the Steelers do not end up getting a touchdown even though they were inside what the 11 yard line the 10 yard line they don't score seven they only get three and Jamel Dean running about 40 or 50 yards when he did not have to hustle and make that play to that extent but uh, that that is uh, I mean you show that to your team you I, I know Todd Bowles will be showing it to his team on this is the kind of effort that you have to have in all phases and all facets if you want to win. So the game remains only 13-9 at that point off the kickoff return. And here again is more frustration. The Buccaneers move the ball, get a good completion to Chris Godwin. They get a couple of first downs. They get the ball uh, to Leonard Fournette. They once again get inside the goal-to-go situation. They had had a couple of opportunities in the red zone to get the ball to the tight ends. One time to Cam Brayton the first half. And the Steeler defender got a hand on it. Another time, the ball's in the hands of the rookie, K. Dot. Not an easy catch, but a catchable ball, kind of diving in the end zone. He doesn't come up with it. Nonetheless, you get inside the 10-yard line. You've got a goal-to-go situation again. And you have a disjointed play that ends up in illegal uh, offensive lineman downfield, an eligible offensive lineman downfield. That's a penalty. Tom Brady ends up having to throw the ball away on another play. It results in another field goal, and this is a recurring theme right now where the Bucs do not get seven in the red zone. Only nine, only 18 trips in the red zone right now in six games. That's three a game. That's not a ton, but only nine touchdowns out of them. Three again instead of seven, and the game is 13 to 12 at that moment. So I'm, I'm honestly standing down there on the sideline going, this is just like New Orleans. Are you going to maybe win this game with a late field goal, 15-13, with the defense shutting down the Steelers and keeping them out of the end zone as they had done all the way through the game since the first drive? In fact, here's some more from that defense right here. Trubisky takes the snap, drops back to throw, under pressure. He will go down. He's sacked back at the 42-yard line. Second sack of the game by the Buccaneers. And Devin White, Carl Nassif got to it. Yes, I should have mentioned by this point, Kenny Pickett had been replaced. He was being evaluated for a concussion, a hit by Devin White as he threw the ball. 
Uh, he slammed his head onto the ground, went out for a concussion. So Trubisky, the start at the beginning of the year, the former number one pick of the Chicago Bears, has kind of traveled around. He was the Buffalo backup previously. Trubisky gets sacked there on that play. But the end result is Pittsburgh continued to stick with the short passing game. Deontay Johnson, uh, Claypool, the, the Pickens, the uh, second-year player out of Georgia, they've got some receivers. They didn't have Fryer Muth the tight end, but they've got some receivers that can make plays. Trubisky hung with it. They got in the red zone, and this was big for the Steelers to get a second red zone score. Trubisky back at quarterback now from the six-yard line, moving left and leading by one. Good snap out of the gun. Looking to his right, firing to the right. Caught ball. Touchdown, Steelers. Playpool. Carlton Davis tried to knock the ball down, could not do so, and Chase Claypool made the catch, belt buckle high, and the Steelers add to their lead. It's 19 to 12. Chase Claypool's touchdown and the extra point makes it an eight-point game at 20 to 12 at this stage. Still, though, a ton of time left. Over seven minutes remaining. You've got all your timeouts, a two-minute warning. You've got to go down and get a touchdown to make something happen. And uh, speaking of, of K. Dotton, as we did earlier, he came up with a big catch here in this sequence. Have a third down over the middle. Oh, a great catch by K. Dotton at the Steeler 38-yard line. That rookie just made the catch of the day. So Brady moving the ball some in the air. They got a couple of fourth down conversions. Leonard Fournette, one of them on a pitch play around the right end. Another one to Rashad White, the rookie running back, on a pass in the flat where he made great second effort and got across the first down marker. So that would lead to this finally, finally red zone conversion here. And Mean Gene gets to call a touchdown. And it's first down from the 12-yard line. The snap to Brady, swing pass to Leonard Fournette. Got a combo to the right, inside the 10. Made a guy miss to the 5. 3-2-1, touchdown! Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great effort by playoff Lenny Fournette. Leonard Fournette with a touchdown catch for the second straight game there as, uh, as he got free, able to get in the end zone. Uh, and at this point, you know you're going for two uh, for the Bucs, but uh, the Steelers were obviously ready on the two-point play, trying to try, trying to tie up the game here at 20. Uh, and here's the way it sounded on Buccaneers Radio. Two points to tie the ball game. It's 20 to 18. Brady shotgun look, looking left, looking left. There's a shot. Oh, it's incomplete. Knocked out. Tried to get it to Chris Godwin at the goal line. Godwin wanted a flag, no flag thrown. And the ball knocked down by Devin Bush, middle linebacker. I can tell you from watching now that replay a couple of different times from a couple of different angles, they were trying to get the ball to Godwin immediately. They were using K. Dotton kind of in the slot to clear out the defense and have Godwin come right off his backside, right behind him for a quick throw. The timing was off. Brady didn't throw it early right away. And again, Bush, I said this on the radio broadcast, Devin Bush, the linebacker, makes a tremendous play. He comes around Godwin with the left hand and slaps it away. Um, I mean, usually Chris Godwin is going to win that battle for position. Brady's going to get him the football quickly. That's the play they wanted. It didn't happen on the two-point play, but the game not completely over now. It's still 20-18. to 18. There's still plenty of time left on the clock. The Buccaneers still have timeouts. But unfortunately, the Steelers... Uh, continue to burn the clock. Now, there was a moment where the ball was snapped away from Mitch Trubisky on a horrible shotgun snap. Dee Delaney, backup defensive back, came in the backfield, had a half split second maybe to try to get on the ball. Couldn't quite get it. Give Trubisky credit. He got the ball back, laying next to him, right by him. But, man, if the Bucks could have fallen on that ball with about four minutes left and burned some clock and maybe gotten a touchdown, if not taken the lead with a field goal there, would have been enormous to put the pressure on Pittsburgh. You still would have to stop them anyway. And again, I keep coming back to something that's obvious. Buck fans are talking about this. Observers are talking about this. What is wrong on third and long? I'm making a rhyme on nothing but Bucks. Third and long should be a defensive down that you win on over and over and over again. But for this team, struggle after struggle on third and long, and it happened again here. Out of the shotgun, third down, 11, Trubisky under some pressure. Flushed out of the pocket, runs to his left, cocks the arm, throws it downfield. It is a caught ball. Was he inbounds? He was a caught ball on third down, 11. That was Claypool again. Chase Claypool and the Steelers with 2.07 to go come up with yet another third down and long conversion. Yeah, Trubisky just made great plays. Made the throws on third and long. Got the got that pass down the sideline for the third down conversion as well to avoid the sack. The end result, 
is the Pittsburgh Steelers are able to run out the clock. The Bucs out of timeouts are able to run out the clock. And Pittsburgh hangs on for a much-needed 20-18 win, snapping their four-game losing streak. And again, the Bucs are 1-4. 1-4 their history in Pittsburgh. Only one win going to the Steel City. A lot of that had to do with Terry Bradshaw, Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green, and Franco Harris back in the 70s and the early 80s winning games against the Buccaneers. You don't go there that often. And Pittsburgh got the win here in uh, in this game on Sunday, October the 16th, as they come away with a 20-18 to victory. All right, when it was over with, we went inside the locker room for some comments and conversation. Let's talk defense first. What were the Steelers doing well, especially on third down? How much do you credit Trubisky off the bench? Rakeem Nunez-Roches, one of the defensive tackles, uh, that plays a bunch for this team next to Vita Vea and Will Golston, known as Nacho. Let's hear from him on our Hooters post-game show coverage. Our mistakes, which was making them look better than what they were. But like I said, it's NFL. Any given Sunday, they came out, they did what they need to do. They were pests. They kept buzzing around, keeping it close. And before you know it, they punched one in and they got the end result. Nacho, we're live here on Buccaneers Radio as well, just joining you here. Can you say something about Trubisky replacing Pickett? and him being able to make a couple of plays with his arm and with his feet? Uh, like I said, it was some things that we didn't execute on defense, and uh, he capitalized. He moved around well. He did gr- great things with his feet, and uh, for a guy coming off the bench, he made some great throws. I, I got to tip my hat to him. You don't try to play the what-if game, but, man, the ball is on the ground on the bad center snap if you can somehow get on that one. Sometimes it doesn't bounce your way, right? Man, I'm talking about immediately when I seen that snap, I just knew it was our ball, and when he got on top of it, I was like, come on, man. We just need one. That's all we need. But turnover didn't go our way. He got back on the ball, and shoot, he made the best of it. The next couple of plays, he made the ball move, and his wide receivers made some catches, and it's just we didn't get what we wanted. As a veteran, what is being said, what will be said this week to get back on track? Uh, from top to bottom, look at yourself. You can't sit there and point fingers. You got to see what can I do better than help improve our team and the things that you know go on in a day-to-day you got to show the young guys what it looks like. And I think that's going on right now. Just, like I said, finding an identity. And once we get that, we can go back to where we want to go. And this is just a rough patch right now. Nacho, a very popular player, very hard worker, plays special teams, makes some plays on that defensive line. It's tough. It's tough on third down. But like he said, he's a veteran. you got to regroup right now. You've got to regroup and understand there are still 11 games left in the season, Buck fans. Long way to go. You've got to get a win this week in Carolina and get back on track and then start trying from there to stack wins. But right now, as you look at this division, 10 wins is going to win this division against Atlanta, Carolina, and the Saints. It just is. 11 is an absolute guarantee, but 10, you're going to to win. Nine is iffy. Is nine going to be enough to win the division? So out of 11 games remaining, nine nine wins is six and five. You want to be much better than that. You want to be at least seven and four. If not eight and three or better, Bucks want to win them all. Todd Bowles will tell you that. Tom Brady will tell you that. But seven and four to get to at, at that point, you would be a, a ten and seven team. That's going to be enough to win this division. I'm calling it now in October. Start getting wins. Start putting it together. All right, the rookie Kate Otten off a six catch last week uh, in the win over the Falcons was back this week. Has one that he would love to have another opportunity at that diving catch in the third quarter in the end zone. Couldn't come up with it. Did have a big catch late in the game. Let's hear more from Cade Otten here uh, after this one was over. Again, Cade, we're live here on Buccaneers Radio as well. When it did click in the fourth quarter, what was going well, including a catch from you? Yeah, I think we were just being aggressive and not thinking so much. Um, you know, it's hard to diagnose uh, just from, from here without seeing the film, but uh, we just got to find any momentum we got and, and stay with it and then uh, apply it to next week. With the understanding you were going to have to stop them more than likely no matter what, you're trying to get the two-point play. I'm not sure if you were on the field or not for that play. What was your perspective? And also, Bush makes a great play coming around Godwin, does he not? Yeah. um, You know, just on that two-point play, I mean, we got to treat every play like it's the most important play. And and obviously, it comes down to that at the end of the game. But, um, you know, we just got to be urgent every single play of the game and, and not let it come to that. So... Uh, I mean, we'll go back to the film and look at it and, and diagnose what we have to do better. 
Rookie tight end from Washington. We're expecting big things from him. Uh, we, did, we did not have it in the highlights and did not play it up, but obviously serious concern for Cam Braith, the veteran tight end, Super Bowl winning tight end, has made so many big plays for this team. Uh, Brait was hit again, hit high, hit in the head, evaluated for a concussion and a neck injury uh, just two weeks after the concussion uh, in the game with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, as well. So uh, we hope the best for Cam. I can tell you that they did uh, evaluate him at the local Allegheny General Hospital that's right by the stadium, treated and released. He was able to obviously walk under his own power uh, back to uh, to the transportation and back to the Buccaneer airplane. Good to see Cam moving around. Uh, it looks serious on the field, but they're going to be extra cautious with the backboard, with neck injuries, to not create something serious for his neck, his spinal cord. So what you saw was a lot of precaution, but Cam... Cam was fine, and he'll have to evaluate. I mean, he's going to go back in the concussion protocol. When we see him again, how he feels, because you're you're again talking about multiple concussions here in this season and head trauma, et cetera, and all the studies are doing on this. We just hope that Cam is better. Uh, He is a great guy. He's a Harvard grad. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's got money. He's got a wife, uh, Brooke, who used to work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We want the best for Cam Braid here. And we'll just we'll take it uh, day by day and week by week. He's in the concussion protocol right now. I don't know when he's back playing. I don't think he knows. The training staff and the doctors know uh, when he will be back. It's a dangerous thing we're talking about. And I will just say on nothing but bucks. Uh, right here. This is selfish from me. I don't have to see Cam Brate play any more football. To have quality of life later on in life with head injuries and this stuff, let's be real, folks. He's given he's given Buck fans a ton of thrills, helped this team win a Super Bowl, but out there still battling. Head injuries are a dangerous thing. There is no doubt uh, about that. So we'll wait and see uh, what the evaluation is with Cam Brate. We're just glad that he's up and he's moving around. Um, and when, if and when, he can be back in there. All right, so moving on on the, on the Hooters postgame show, conversation immediately after the game with head coach Todd Bowles. Uh, obviously down and out after this loss, a very frustrating, tough loss, a lot of self-inflicted uh, plays in this game. Let's hear from the head coach as part of our Hooters postgame show. Tough one here. 2018, the Pittsburgh Steelers have won it, and the coach is here with us immediately after it is over with. All right, you battled to get back in the game with a late touchdown. What did you not do well enough at the end to give your offense one more opportunity to maybe win this game? We got to get off the field, you know. They've been playing well most of the ball game, and we had plays that we knew, and we couldn't make a play to get off the field. Trubisky comes in to relieve Pickett. He's obviously an experienced quarterback. How much do you credit him making plays in the pass game and also with his feet? He did a great job with his feet to extend plays. You know, we had the initial routes covered. He extended plays, and guys got open and shook free, and we couldn't get them on the ground. You did get in the end zone there with about four minutes left in the game, four and a half minutes left in the game. Just describe the play to Leonard Fournette, and he made a lot of second and third effort to get in the end zone. Well, it was a flare pass, and, you know, he caught it on the run. Lenny's a powerful guy, but we need a lot more of that. We cannot just settle for field goals in this ball game. You had a two-point play after that. Is that one of those situations where there's multiple options? Are you looking for Godwin right away? And how much do you credit Bush, who comes around Godwin, to bat the ball away? Well, it was designed for him, but if you have time, you can go elsewhere. Uh, we tried to stick it in there. It was a bang-bang play. The guy made a good play. Uh, the red zone, in particular, goal to go. You got inside in the second quarter, could not get in inside the five, could not get in again inside the 10 in the second half. What has to be better moving forward? Well, first, we got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot penalty-wise and giving ourselves a chance to do that. And we got to be better at executing. We got to be better at calling it. We got to be better at running the play and executing and getting in the end zone. We obviously saw Cameron Brake go out with a, a concussion evaluation, also a neck evaluation. What, if anything, can you tell us about his situation immediately after the game? He had a neck injury. All his extremities are moving in place well, so he's at the hospital getting tested right now, and we'll work for, wait for further evaluation. And again, for this team, it's a tough loss here. What, uh, what do you say to them? What do you start on immediately, including getting back to Tampa tonight to try to get back on track? No, first we have to coach better. So it starts with the coaches. It starts with me, and it starts with the assistant coaches. We have to coach this thing better, and they have to play it better, and they have to execute better. 20-18, to 18, the final. We'll talk more with Martin Gramatica about this in a little bit, but you, you even heard Tom uh, Todd Bowles there in this instance 
uh, saying, hey, we got to coach it better. Uh, we just didn't do enough to win this game. Um, and that starts with the coaching staff, and it, it starts also with the execution. you got to get back to scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I keep saying this, and get off the field on third down. Those are two places to start. You can, As you can imagine, Tom Brady was not happy. You saw him on the sideline animated. Uh, I can tell you that uh, there was frustration for a lot of that game on trying to get on the right track and sustain drives. The Buccaneers can get better in another area, too. That's short yardage running the ball. They need to get more imaginative, too, with misdirection, using the jet sweep, using different things in motion. They weren't doing a lot of that. They were trying to line up and just overpower the Steelers, and they weren't able to do it. And I don't know that they have the offensive line right now. Without Ryan Jensen, who's hurt, without Ali Marpet, who's retired and long gone, without Alex Kappa, who's now the right guard of the Cincinnati Bengals and a a quality right guard, I don't know that they have an offensive line that just lines up and overpowers people. I can tell you through six games, it doesn't look like an offensive line that's going to just overpower people. Without some misdirection, some trap blocking, jet sweep, motion uh, to disguise things on the defense, you got to have some of that. You weren't having that on Sunday, and you're not having success in short yardage, in close run plays. Uh, really all season. It's got to be better for this team. But let's hear more from Tom Brady, uh, what he thought uh, after this game as he spoke with the media. Just all got to do a better job. So, you know, go back, watch the tape, and um, obviously a lot to correct. The Steelers' secondary was pretty decimated by injuries. What did you see when you were out there Uh, They did a good job. You know, the guys that were in there did a good job for them. They tackled well and... Limited some run after catch. Um, we just missed too many opportunities in the red area. And, uh, you know, it's a game of scoring points, and we just didn't do well enough on third down and in short yardage situations, and certainly not well enough in the red area. Tom, we heard from um, several guys in the locker room seem to say things along the lines of like finding their identity, like this team has to find its identity. Why has that been difficult to sort of put a finger on the pulse of this season? I, I think it's just execution. We have to play a lot better. So. It really doesn't matter if you run it, if you throw it, if you throw it outside, you throw it inside, you run it inside, you run it outside. It's an execution game. You either make the play or you don't. So there's too many plays we're not making. How frustrating is it kind of get, to get so close? You know, you were inside the 10-yard line, you know, a couple times at least, too, and just to kind of settle for a field goal. You know, you got to, even on the two-point conversion, you get in, chance to tie the game. You know, how frustrating just to kind of get so close but not kind of be able to get over the hump. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just not doing a good enough job down there. It seemed like today was a day that just nothing really went right. Like the, the quarterback sneak that, we, you know, it's kind of becoming your trademark, even even that. I mean, does that just kind of sum up the how maddening the loss was for you guys today? I think, you know, we didn't earn it. We didn't earn the win. So it's a game of earning it, and it's a game of playing well and performing well, and we're just not doing a good job of that. I don't think we've done it for six weeks. And I think we're all playing less than what we're capable of, and we've all got to look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out why. Your first two losses are the Packers and the Chiefs. This is a 1-4 team that lost by 35 last week. How much more concerning is, is losing to this team? I think losing comes down to, obviously, scoring less points than the other team. Then you evaluate why you scored less points than the other team. It doesn't matter if it's Steelers or the Chiefs, or the right? So you can look at this and say, well, why didn't we score more points? Well, we didn't do well in the red area, first of all. We didn't do good. We were second to go on the one, and we didn't do a good job there. We had other red area opportunities. We didn't do a good job there. Now, we had air, you know, opportunities on third and short to extend drives. We didn't do well there. So it doesn't matter you know, who you're playing. If you're not making the plays, then it doesn't matter if it's the Steelers or the Chiefs or the Packers or the Saints. It's you either make the plays or you don't. It's a production business. Is the offense alone just not moving people, Tom? What you it's all of us. It's the whole offense. It's the whole offense. We all have to do a better job. In the run game, the pass game, everyone's got to do a better job. Obviously, there's no position that's performing at an elite level right now. Um, there was a play on the first drive of the second half where you hit Godwin on the seam. It looked like some sort of single high zone where the free safety's right there, but you fit it in anyway. I was wondering what you saw on that play. Chris ran a good route, and I just gave him a chance up the middle of the field, so he made a great catch coming down with it, and uh, we just got to make more plays like that. You were 6 of the 12 targeting Chris, which that's not typical. Was there anything the Steelers were doing defensively that was making that, that connection a little more of a challenge? I think everything, honestly, everything was a challenge today. Every, there was nothing that was not challenging to our offense. We have to do a lot better job in every area. Was there something that you thought you could gain from going into a pistol? I've seen that since you've been here, but it was a new wrinkle today for a few snaps. Yeah, it's a you know just different 
formation variety. So see if we can make some yards out of it. As a leader on this team, Last one. What, is your, what is your message uh, moving forward to get better? We've got to score more points. Pretty simple. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You do have to score more points. Only 18 of them on Sunday, and again, only nine touchdowns in the red zone, and this team right now still at about nine or ten points below its average from 2021. You need more offense, yes, and you got to try to get some things back on track. Okay, so that recaps what went on, obviously, in Pittsburgh with the Steelers getting the win. Let's get some more insight from a guy that does great analyst work and a lot more a former Super Bowl champion himself. As I mentioned, I wish it was a better circumstance that I was getting to talk to this guy because I always love it. First of all, he and his brothers, near and dear to my family and to me, they always put a smile on my face. I try to put a smile on their faces. We need some smiles after a tough Sunday in Pittsburgh. So my man, Martin Gramatica, uh, is here with me. Martin obviously kicked uh, on the Super Bowl champion team, kicked uh, many a big field goal for this team, still around the community, uh, still does a great job. Uh, covering the Buccaneers, and he's part of the Spanish broadcast of Buccaneer football with my man Carlos Borjorquez on uh, 96.1 Caliente FM in Espanol. They cover those Buccaneers. So Martin and Carlos were on the call yesterday for everything that happened in Pittsburgh. Good to have you. I wish we were talking about a win. I promise at a later date I will have you back to talk about a win. But you're here with me on a, on a Monday after on the Nothing But Bucks podcast, and I love you for that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, TJ. But yes, please invite me back for a victory Monday. I'm not easier to talk about. <laughs> I, I, uh, I agree. Okay, so just as a general comment, uh, granted, you're a specialist. You did what you did. But after a tough loss like that, and you had some of those, you had many wins, but you had some of those in your career. What is this like, especially with a veteran team off a tough loss, having to regroup on Monday, having to refocus, having to remind yourself there are still 11 games to go? in this season what is this like take us take us through monday take us through trying to regroup i I think it needs to be uh the way the team regrouped uh the the super bowl year with brady when we lost to chicago it was an awful game full of penalties full of mistakes where we should have won the game and we came home basically devastated because we're thinking like what type of team are we and all of a sudden you know everybody kind of was, was kind of held accountable and i think this could be one of those games where Everybody, I believe, in the world expected the Bucs to win. We didn't expect to lose the game, especially fans or, 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 or anybody that covered the team. When we saw uh, the amount of injuries that Pittsburgh has, the, uh, the amount of uh, just one and four, they just weren't playing good football. So we're like, there's, and especially the beating they took against Buffalo the week before. So we're thinking, okay, this is going to be and – and, and possibly the team felt that and was a little lackadaisical throughout the week thinking, okay, this is a – a, a, an easy game. This we, we can just start focusing on Carolina and then focus on Baltimore, which will be the tougher of the three. And maybe we started looking ahead. And I and I'm hoping that this game basically uh, does what that Chicago game did three years ago, two years ago, and and makes everybody focus a little bit more. Well, and you can also relate it, I said earlier in the podcast, to the Washington loss last year, where, again, that team had a losing record. Buccaneers were supposed to win. They were a heavy favorite and just did not play well in Washington and got beat in that game, and the season was not over after that. You still won some games. You got in the playoffs. You won a game. So I'm just trying to be positive here on a Monday, and Martin is helping me. Uh, with that, um, I, I, I was standing down there on the sideline at 13 to 12 with Pittsburgh winning 13 to 12, saying this could very well come down to a fifth five Ryan suck up field goals, a fifth field goal to win the game. Did you kind of were you and Carlos going back and forth that it may just only take one more field goal with the way the defense is playing? What were you guys saying as the as the fourth quarter especially unfolded? Oh, absolutely. I said, just uh, just get us the ball back. Let's get in range because uh, uh, Suckup was on fire yesterday, the 54-yarder that, you know, he, he doesn't have the strongest leg, but he's so accurate. And that's why he's here. We cannot afford to miss makeable kicks. And then he showed his range. I mean, 54 yards in uh, Pittsburgh, that's not an easy place to kick with an uh, environment where it's a little bit colder, uh, grass field, which it, it, the turf did not look at the best. Uh, so, um, excellent game by Ryan. I mean, unfortunately, uh, he didn't get a chance to, to kick another one because I there's no doubt he would have made it. Once, 
as a kicker, once you hit four field goals the way he did in that 54-yarder, the, the way he celebrated it, it's like, man, he knew he was a borderline at his range and hit a clean ball that was perfect. So uh, there was no doubt that if we had a chance to kick a field goal, he was going to make it. Yeah, and that was just – it was one of those games, and you went through many of these in the late 90s and the 2000s where maybe it was only going to be uh, one more score that was needed – uh, again, I love Martine's insight on all of these things, but uh, okay. So they have in, in the, in the uh, last few years, of the NFL, it's become more specialized with a kickoff specialist. A lot of teams have a punter slash kickoff specialist, or sometimes it's the place kicker. Who's also the kickoff guy. You obviously did both in your NFL career. So the second half begins with a negative with a long kickoff return where the Steelers Sims, the returner busts it right through the middle, big momentum play for them. It did not happen that often in your career, but what is that moment like? You've kicked off. Here he comes. You're trying to get involved in the play. You've got teammates. You've got blockers flying at you. Martin, you lived that a few times. What is that like? Well, for a kicker, it's a scary thought to have a guy come in full speed at you because they don't really go around you. They go through you. So, <laughs> so that, 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 but, but at the end of the day, you're, you're, you're one more of the players. You got to go for the tackle and do your best. I mean, I've tried many of tackles that I failed and at times I've slowed them down where my teammates were able to get them. Um, the thing is with that aspect of our special team. So uh, I think Pinion spoiled us, you know, because he was kicking it out of the end zone pretty much every time. And, and maybe the, the guys weren't used to covering kicks. And now with this younger kicker, he hits the ball higher than Pinion back to the goal line or two or three yards deep and deep and guys are going to run it out. In my opinion, and I know uh, back in the day we had the K ball and we were kicking from the 30, so it was a lot harder to hit a touchback. I would just kick it out of the end zone and give him the ball at the 25 and, and avoid a long return, even though we have tackled returners inside the 25, which gives you a less percent you know, for the opponent to score on you. But the chance of them breaking one, I would avoid that and, and figure out a way because the kid has a strong leg. It's just the ball goes up too high, in my opinion. Well, it's great hang time, but they're being returned. I would try to work on maybe driving the ball more and just kicking it out of the end zone like Pinion did and just avoid any chance of returns because that's a momentum changer. You know, we, we did a great job going into the half with a long kick by Suckup. I think that gave us momentum. Gave it, You go into the locker room with a different mentality when you're the last one to score and you hit a big kick like that, knowing that it's a tight game. Now you have the better kicker. And now – that return gave the momentum right back to Pittsburgh immediately uh, starting the second half. So I think we got to work on uh, the uh, Camarda just trying to like drive it and kick it out of the end zone. Yeah. I think it's a good point that you make that there's little things, subtle little things, and he's a rookie. He's trying to figure it out. He did kick off at Georgia. That's one of the reasons the versatility is why the Bucks drafted him, not only to punt, but to be able to, uh, to kick off. Hey, we should not get lost in this. Jamel Dean made a phenomenal hustle play on that kickoff return. Martin, he ran like 40 or 50 yards to track Sims down and keep him out of the end zone. He almost punched the ball out from behind as well. And how big a play was that in the moment? They don't get seven. They only got three because the defense held up and they kicked a field goal. That That's one of those. When you're in the special teams meeting room, uh, uh, Keith Armstrong, the special teams coach, he's going to emphasize that hustle play. And Todd Bowles may be showing it in the main meeting room, right, on this is the kind of effort we have to have to win games. Watch 35 run this guy down on the kickoff return. There's no doubt, uh, TJ. That, that's all hard. That's all heart and, and a guy that is refusing to lose because it's a lot easier to say, well, I can't catch him. I'll dive at his feet, you know, 10 yards uh, and, and then rest the rest of the way. No, he and on top of that, he went on defense right away. So uh, so that's that's a guy that loves the team, loves to play, loves to compete and has heart. That's the type of player that I want on my team all day because the, and that's the type of players we had. Uh, when we won the Super Bowl, guys, I would never quit. I remember I always talk about the pursuit drill that uh, Coach Dungey would have and, and Monty Kiffin would have where you have Hall of Famers flying to a, a certain area of the field without a, without a return. There's just a defensive defensive uh, uh, play. There was no offense around. It was just part of their warm-up, and it was so impressive to watch these guys fly to a certain area, and that's how we flew on defenses. That's what Jamil Dean uh, did on that, on that return. I mean, that – uh, that type of attitude is where we need that from everybody. 
Love it. Love this guy's insight. Again, he played with the likes of Warren Sapp. That's who he's talking about. Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber. As Dave Moore likes to say, when you look across from where we broadcast the games from at Raymond James Stadium, look on that ring. And the fact that you guys got to play with all of those guys, and they're all now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Rondé will be there, we believe, uh, someday soon. But Lynch, uh, Brooks, and Sapp are all there. And it's the mentality from beginning to end in a work week in the offseason effort, et cetera, that helped you the little things that help you get better and win games. A few more moments left here. Uh, everybody wants to know the answer to this question. What is up in particular in the red zone with the inability to score touchdowns? This team does not have a touchdown in the first quarter, by the way, does not six games does not have a touchdown in the first quarter. Part of that is the red zone again, where they got down in the red zone again, uh, in the first quarter on Sunday in Pittsburgh and didn't score, got down to the six-inch line, Martin, and did not get a touchdown, self-inflicted in the second quarter. Uh, did get one score late in the game in the red zone, but only one for four. Put your finger on a thing or two. What has to be better for this team to do what it's done the last couple of years and repeatedly cash in with seven points when they get inside the 20 or inside the 10? Well, in my opinion, we're missing two key guys that, that aren't that aren't playing right now that were the the the, the asset or that, that those players that got us those touchdowns in the red zone. And one is Jensen, Ryan Jensen, our center. If if Jensen was our center, I believe we would have done a quarterback sneak from the six inch line. And in that so you have that chemistry. I, I don't think uh, Brady has that chemistry yet with his new center. He's a young guy. He's working his way into the NFL. So uh, with Jensen, they 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 were uh, attached at the hip. They knew exactly what to do, and he felt very comfortable. And Jensen is, was that leader on that offensive line. He's the one that will hit you after the play. He's the one that fiery guy. You need that. This is football. It's not. We're not playing checkers here. So you need somebody to go after the the, uh, the defenders. You know when when when. Uh, you know, when, when things aren't going right. So that's one. And then obviously not having Gronk, you know, Gronk is that yep. safety outlet that Brady's had forever. Uh, he still has to build that chemistry with the young tight ends having Cameron Brady. Let's hope and pray that he's okay. That was a nasty hit. And yes. then when he grabbed this, hit, we all uh, immediately thought the worst and, and thank God he's moving his uh, extremities and hopefully it's not something major where he has to retire. You never know, you know, with a hit like that. Um, but the young guys, he needs to get build that chemistry. And that, that doesn't happen overnight. So um, I think we're going to just keep getting better. And let's hope this is the game that kind of makes everybody more accountable and realize, look, and just like Todd Bowles said in the press conference, I know a lot of people are criticizing him because he didn't really point fingers at himself. He's pointing fingers at the players. I think we have to point fingers at everybody. We, everybody has to get better from coaching all the way to players. But you can't just say, hey, we won the Super Bowl two years ago. We're, we have Tom Brady. We're automatically going to be in the playoffs. We're automatically going to be competing in the in, in, in the playoffs, NFC Championship, game, stuff like that. Because it's not going to happen. He needs help. We all need help. And every, every player, coach needs to be held accountable. Speaking of holding accountable, Martin is multitasking. He's phenomenal on the Nothing But Books <laughs> podcast because he's talking to me. He's breaking it down. And somebody's in his way in traffic, and he's honking at him. So we should say he's driving safely. You're just trying to make sure everybody else on your commute drives safely and gets out of your way. Uh, if well, that is the ca multitasking. You're multitalented this, right now. This is a problem at red lights, you know, social media. They sit there for it. I mean, this lady let the car go about 50 yards before she realized <laughs> that the light was green. So Let's go. I tried it. Let's I, I don't go. know if you know places to be. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. I tried to do the easy honk first. I heard and then it. She didn't move. So then I had to go with a loud one, but there then she go. ended up realizing. Two honks. So, it's uh, like New York. You're not from New York, but you're driving like New York. The first honk is like a little mention. The second honk is get out of my way. I, you know, that's exactly, all you hear is exactly. horns in New York. <laughs> I love that. couple of moments left uh, here with this. Um, you and Carlos do such a fantastic job. Uh, with what you do and so much energy and passion. I can tell how much fun you're having, but but say it to the audience here about how much fun it is to broadcast Buccaneer football and with that guy. You guys have a blast. Oh, absolutely. I, I never, ever would have thought it'd be as, as, as much fun as we're having. Uh, the first year I said, well, I'll do it just to make sure, you know, I don't regret not doing it. And then uh, I just fell in love with doing it. Carlos is a, a true professional, play-by-play-wise. He's amazing. He's he loves the game now, you know, because he never did football before now before. And he jumps right into the NFL and is one. I mean, Spanish wise, he's the best by far. And the energy, the excitement and the best part about it now, we added Santiago to the uh, to the to the, the sidelines. So, we, you know, TJ Jr. We call him. I said, I just told Santiago, the only advice I can give you is stay near TJ and translate what he's saying and you'll be fine. So exactly. as long as he's around you. 
and we can see him kind of finally around. So I said, oh, he'll, he's going to be fine. He's going to have good comments to talk about. So it's been, it's been awesome. And, and, and to cover the team that I play for that I love and, and to be so up close, uh, it's been, it's been so awesome. Again, Santiago Gramatica was a great kicker in his own right at USF, University of South Florida here in Tampa. So Santiago is part of the Buccaneers Spanish broadcast, Caliente 96.1 FM down there on the sidelines. I'm happy to help him. Uh, it's scary to me that he's not only married, he's got kids. I knew him when he was a college kid. I knew all of you guys when you were college kids. You're all family men now. Makes me feel old, uh, Martin. But it is it is a blast to be around all of you. Just one more time for the Buccaneer fans that are listening, I, I'm being kind of sarcastic here. I'm having fun. The season is not over, right? There are still 11 games left. Everybody may be down about the loss to Pittsburgh, but it's a game. It's what you do from here, right? Martin, you got 11 games remaining to do some, to do some good things, to win a division, to get into the playoffs, to contend. There's a long way to go. Say it one more time, please. Oh, a hundred percent. TJ, we're three and three, not playing good football. Can you imagine once this team starts to click the, the you know, the dangerous, this could be a dangerous team for everybody to come and play because once we click, we haven't clicked yet. And now we're still three and three. So there, there's no reason to panic. I understand that it, it wasn't the best game. I understand we made some mistakes and, and, and it just didn't look like our old Buccaneer team from the last couple of years, you know, it just looked like a different team, but that doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. We saw Todd Bowles call everybody out and pretty much put everybody uh, they're saying dropping grenades in the locker room. And some people like it. Some people don't. I love that fact that look, we all have to get better, and, and he, he even criticized himself. So that's that's players. You want to see that? You don't. You don't want a coach that just wants to start pointing fingers at players. You know, he wants to be held accountable, and now he's going to hold everybody else accountable. And, I, along those lines, I, I I don't I can't speak to everything on the podium in the press conference, but when he talked to us on Buccaneers Radio, and we just played the interview right before you came on, one of the first things he said is, "We got to coach better. I got to coach better. We're not ready in some areas, and that's on us, meaning the coaching staff." Uh, with that. So he's taking blame uh, as well. And I love the comment that just because you won the Super Bowl two years ago, this league is not going to hand you things. Martin, you were part of that. You won a Super Bowl and that 03 season, everybody's gunning for you as the hunted team, the marked team. They're not just going to hand it to you. You got to start earning it, right? Start earning it this week at Carolina, come back home on a shorter week with Baltimore, start earning it starting this week, right? Well, you're, you're automatically going to have a target, not only because you won the Super Bowl two years ago, but you have Tom Brady as your quarterback. Mm -hmm. So everybody's gunning for you because they know with Brady, you always have a chance. So that's the, that's the thing. Every, every team that plays the Bucs, they're going to play their best game. Uh, and, and, and we look at, look at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They played probably the best game of their year against us, and then they've had their up and down. But anytime you play Brady, these young quarterbacks, they want to elevate their game because they want to compare themselves to the best. So, uh, so again, uh, TJ, it's not, not, in my opinion, it's not time to panic, but it is time to make changes and, 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 and start working differently and, and get better and start, start, start clicking. That's the thing. The team needs to start clicking, but, it, but it's not time to panic, but it is time to improve in certain areas. Love it. 96.1 Caliente FM. Buccaneers in Espanol, Carlos Bojorquez and uh, Martin Gramatica and Santiago Gramatica on the sidelines. Uh, they will be on the call for the Bucks in Carolina. I look forward to seeing you guys again when I'm around you on Buccaneer football. Of course, the home game with the Ravens as well will come 10 days uh, from now as well with the upcoming matchup on Thursday night football. Listen, I love it. Thank you for giving me time on a Monday on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Martin, be well. It's always my treat to have you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me, TJ. Take care. Have a good day. 20-18 to 18 is the final. And again, one more time, thank you to the Grammaticas. Love that entire family. And Martin and Carlos on the Spanish call in Espanol with Santiago down on the sidelines. Uh, they will be back at it for this week's game in Carolina. And all you can do, Buccaneer fans, is be ready, try to regroup, and, and get after the Carolina Panthers. They were losers in L.A., new coaching staff. They fired Matt Rule in his third season as the Panthers season had basically petered out. Uh, Steve Wilkes, the former one-year head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, is now the interim coach. He's a defensive mind. Uh, they're, they're hurt at quarterback with Baker Mayfield injured. Um, they've been playing P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, the former number one pick. I mean, they got two guys that are former number one picks in the same draft in Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, and both of them been injured, and, and both of them don't have contractual commitments after this season. So Carolina in flux. They still have Christian McCaffrey. They have a defense, though, that you can throw on. Matt Stafford was throwing on him. This will be the first of two matchups. It's coming in Charlotte. 
Uh, this Sunday, 1 o'clock, we'll be on the air at noon on Buccaneers Radio to see if the Bucs can get an NFC South win. In Carolina, the first of two meetings, two division wins already, including a road win at New Orleans. You've got to get back on track. Be better in the red zone. Be better on third down. Get after whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Darnold, uh, whether Baker Mayfield tries to play on the bad ankle. Uh, he was diagnosed with a high ankle sprain coming out of their game with Arizona. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's any different here for the uh, for the Panthers at quarterback. Will it be P.J. Walker, the third-string quarterback? What will they do um, here in this matchup as they have to come all the way back from L.A. and get ready to play the Bucks at home for the first of two matchups? Again, we will head to Charlotte. We will head to Bank of America Stadium. We'll be on the air at noon. Gene and Dave will call the game. I'll be part of that broadcast at 1.00. And hopefully we're coming in here on Nothing But Bucks talking about a Buccaneer victory. My thanks to Jason Berenger helping me with the highlights and uh, the interviews. Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. And again, however you found the show, Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com, wherever you get podcasts. Sirius XM also replays this podcast on the Sirius XM app and the NFL coverage and the Buccaneer channel. You'll hear us there as well. Make it a point to be with us the day after games. You'll get my analysis, insight. You'll get highlights, the post-game interviews. And we even heard there uh, you know, occasional long-form guests that join me to give insight, former players, analysts, media, etc. I love those conversations, too. And thank you one more time, Martin Gramatica, for providing that with us on this one. I wish it was better news off the Steeler game. Can't do anything about that now. Now you get ready to play Carolina. Try to get back to 4-3. and three. You're still in the lead in the division right now. You still have everything in front of you to get to a 10th win, an 11th win beyond win the division, be in the playoffs. That's the goals. The goals that are out in front of you. Get better and go get a win in Carolina. Again, we're on the air at noon. One o'clock is kick time from Charlotte coming this Sunday. We're back on Monday to recap it all. I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with me on Nothing But Bucks.